Hi, it's Cree Mitchell here, and I'm here to do the last in our series for a while of flakes, fakes, and foolishness, abuse in the church. And uh, someone reminded me that I needed to kind of delve into my own life. I've been given examples of other, everybody else, and some of mine, but I just want to encourage you if you get off into a foolish situation or flaky situation where you're believing something and you convinced it's the will of God it, it's not because you cannot override human will and that's the one point I want to drag and sometimes you'll see where people in the church see someone and they're convinced the Lord spoke to me you're supposed to be my husband you're supposed to be my wife God didn't say it you know God deals on two ends and he gives us a choice those individuals have a right to choose there have been women who have gone into services in their wedding gowns walking down the aisle trying to convince pastors and ministers that they're supposed to be their wife, you know. So, uh, like I said, if you if you fit in that situation or you're in it now with something in your past, and in there, God always has a way of bringing us back and reviving us and bringing, putting us into a better and a new situation. Please do not walk away from him. Always stay in the word. Stay in prayer. I was one. I was a woman who, when I got saved as a teenager, I was convinced this one individual that was the husband for me. And I thank God, the guy said no, because years later, when I look back where I am now, I am so grateful. I am so grateful he went through his direction and lucky to go mine. So grateful and. Uh, I ended up years later thanking him because I'd have been in a mess and I was a mess. I was a mess. And so sometimes we have to grow and God has to grow us into where we need to be. And what we desire is a lot of times not his desire for us. You know, people say you can have first best and second best. Well, I want God's best. And he wants us to have that best. So I'm encouraging you, if you are someone who is caught up in a flaky situation where you believe in one thing and it's not going and another person's will is involved, I just want to let you know, let it go and go to God and pray. God will give you the strength to walk you through to a bigger and better and brighter future than the one that you tried to plan. Proverbs says that man plans his way, but God directs our steps. And so we have to let him direct us, not that we ourselves, because the Holy Spirit knows what's ahead for us. And sometimes we will try to choose the wrong thing, like King Ahab did when he chose Jezebel and Samson when he chose all those other women and Delilah. And we'll end up being blind and destroyed. And you don't want that. So you can trust God. You can give him your future. Give it to him. Put it in his hands. If he brought you this far, he will take you the rest of the way. And he will bring you out into abundance in every area of your life, even relationship-wise. And he'll put you with someone who will love you, who's the match that he has for you. doesn't mean it will always be perfect because we're dealing with human, with, with human beings here and we all have our personalities and our little glitches sometimes, but it'll be someone that you'll be willing to grow together 
and you'll be able to overlook whatever faults there are in each other. Uh, the word of God is, is explicit in a lot of things. One of the things I loved about King David was the fact that he was a warrior. And he always thought God when it came to going to war. In reading the Old Testament, the one thing I saw David didn't do is he never consulted God about who to marry. He saw someone, uh, there was one man, Nabal, who was a rich man, but who was also a mean man. And Nabal refused to feed David and his mighty men, even though they protected his workers and his cattle and everything. And so his wife, Abigail, loaded up camels and food and everything and brought it to David and begged him not to kill them because she knew her servant had told her these men protected us and he's going to kill us because uh, the master, the, the owner was was mean. So she told David she knew who he was. He was anointed of God. Please accept this food and forgive her husband. And then her husband, of course, was throwing a party and she waited until the next morning when his party was over to tell him that David was coming to kill him and what she had done, and he ended up having a stroke and died. And when David heard that Nabal had died, then David went and sent for her and asked her to marry him. She said, yes, of course. But David already had a wife, Saul's daughter, and a couple others. He was collecting wives along the way. But he never asked. He never asked. And then one day he looks out when kings go to war and he didn't go to war who's out on this balcony across from him was one of his soldiers' wives, Bathsheba, taking a bath. Now, why she was taking a bath outside has me to believe that either it was hot and she still should have had it covered up or, or nobody could see she was made. Or she was a sweet piece of work and she knew the king was out there. And so, anyway, he ended up sending for her and she gets pregnant and then he sends for her husband, tries to get him drunk and make him go home to her. Well, so he tried all kinds of things because she was pregnant by the king. And when he didn't, and he slept on the door post outside because he said, you know, the king's soldiers are out there fighting and I'm here, why should I enjoy my wife when I need to be up there? So then he sends him back with a letter telling his commander, put him out front, withdraw from him, let him kill him. So when that happened and they told him the man was dead, then he brings her over, consoles her and marries her. And the child ends up dying. And I just always thought, every time David went to war just about, he consulted God. He consulted God, but he did not consult God about marriage. Not that marriage is a war, but marriage is a process and it's a binding of two families together so you need God's help in doing that and therefore since he didn't and he had like seven wives concubines his son Solomon ends up having was it 200 wives and a thousand concubines and he never consults God and the odd thing is with Solomon because he didn't consult God when he met the woman of his dreams, Queen of Sheba, who had a thirst to know his God. He had all these wives and these crazy, well, he had 
counselors and stuff. But he had all these wives and these concubines and people who thought the kingdom should be a certain way. And there was no way they were going to allow him to marry this woman. He ends up, according to uh, her history, it was Ethiopian history, it ends up that he gives her, puts her, they have a contest where he tells her she cannot take anything without asking for it. And they sit down to dinner and he feeds her a very spicy meal. And so she refused to ask him for something to drink. She wouldn't be under six weeks. So when she lay down to sleep, she got up in the middle of the night and got something to drink and was told to Solomon. And so he told her because she did not ask, therefore she had to marry him and be his bride. She fell in love with this God. She became his bride. Some people, his advisors, were worried that she was going to sit on that throne. She had converted. And so what he ended up doing was send her back five, six months pregnant. Replica of what he thought was the Ark of the Covenant and all the scrolls and everything so that she could teach her child his father's belief. He knew it was going to be a son. And it was. And back she went. And that was the last time he saw her. And to make a long story short, He didn't take the time to consult God. Because had he consulted God, God would have probably told him to wait because he knew Bash that the Queen of Sheba was coming. He could have met her and married her. Maybe things would have been different. The prophets, they were told, uh, I think it was Isaiah or Jeremiah, they were told who to marry. And the Spirit of the Lord led them. No, I take that back. Hosea, the prophet Hosea, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God led him to marry a woman. And at the time, she was a prostitute. He married her. He named his children the names that the Holy Spirit told him to merit, to, to name them according to what Israel was doing. And then when the wife left to go back to her many lovers, he cut off support because that's what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And then she came back. And that was a replica of Israel prostituting itself with the world and coming back. To God, leaving God and then coming back. To make a long story short, I don't, God won't tell you to do something that drastic. This was the Old Testament before Jesus came. But if we trust Him, He will lead our steps, He will guide our steps. And we we can say what we want, we can know what type of person we want. But you gotta let God do it because He knows better than we do what we need. I heard one preacher say, You have to be careful when you're trying to, men and women, try to find a person with this kind of hair, this kind of eyes, this kind of skin color, this kind of body structure, this kind of bank account, this kind of, this kind of, and you come up with all these lists of what you want, and you're actually building Frankenstein. And he said, remember what happened to Dr. Frankenstein? And the monster killed him. So you got to be careful what you're asking for, because still rely on the Word of God, still rely on the Holy Spirit lead and guide you with the right individual because God knows our deficiencies and he will bring someone into our life to kind of cover where we have lack and make us even more person he wants us to be in Proverbs 15 it says as iron sharpens iron so a man's friend 
his countenance sharpens another man's countenance. So people sharpen us, whether it's on a job, with our bosses, or at home, with our family, or with a maid, even your children, they sharpen us and they make us better. They can make us better or they can make us worse, depending on how we deal with the friction and the rubbing and the sharpening. We just have to trust God to take us to that next level. So I just want to encourage you. I'm, like I said, I'm not making fun because I've gone through some crazy stuff myself and gotten into some stuff trying to help other people because I thought it was a good thing and they needed to be together and da 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 da, da. And it was. It wasn't the will of God. And it ended up being a hot mess. They ended up being mad at me. I ended up feeling like a fool and having to go to God and say, okay, I messed up because you... You didn't say that. You didn't say that. That wasn't your will. I'm telling you. The Bible says he desires truth in the inner parts. I believe it's Psalms 51. We need to be truthful in ourselves. And that's my truth. Being honest, that's my truth. And I want you to be truthful with you and in what you're doing. God knows better than we do what we need. We got to trust him. We got to trust him. So if you've gotten off in some weird way, relationship with somebody and it's gone sour I mean they may be married you may be single or vice versa and you've gotten off and you thought this is the will of God you know it's not that's somebody else's spouse it's not the will of God walk away there's an old saying if you love something let it go if it comes back to you it's yours if not it never was let it go and let God deal with you and work with you make you the person you need to be because what you don't want to do is to the very thing that you send out there in the universe, it's going to come back. Whatever seeds you sow will reap. Uh, I believe it's Genesis chapter 3. And he told Noah again in 6. As long as the uh, earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So what we do, you will reap a harvest. The good and the bad. And you want to pray for crop failure on the bad stuff. And quit sowing the bad stuff. But I do want to encourage you, if you got caught up in something, God loves you. He's not condemning you. Come home to him. Let him work this out. Be honest with him. Get in the word. Cry it out. Yeah, you're going to cry. But that's okay. He'll keep you and he'll take you to the next level of where you need to be. Like I said, this is not a church bashing thing. But there's just sometimes we, and I'm talking from a women's standpoint, we can get caught up. In ministries, and, and I, I've got billions of stories of people in ministries who who got caught up. Older women who knew better than they knew better, who got caught up in the last minute. There was one in, uh, individual, a younger minister, who got a whole bunch of older women. He showed them attention, and they were running behind him, doing whatever, baking and cooking and whatever. And the next thing you know, he had them living 90 miles north of where they were in the big city in a building and the one was going and picking up packages didn't realize that he was a drug dealer she was picking up packages and delivering them had no clue what she could have went to jail could have went to prison but she got all caught up in that so i'm just wanting to let you know don't be caught up people will tell you anything they will sell you anything we've had ministers that had taught bible study to us and encouraged us to stand in the word and don't get caught up in all kinds of different craziness that, that you see some some people get into that, that, uh, 
that say that they're Christians and in the church. And I'm not saying that they're not. But you got to be careful because if it contradicts the word of God, or they'll take a scripture and they'll twist it. There was one group of people that were saying that uh, they were the manifested sons of God and that some people are saved, God's already predestinated, some are not. So it doesn't matter whether you go to church or not, whether you live right or not. If you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven, no matter how bad you live. And if you're going to hell, you're going to hell, no matter how good you live. So it don't matter. That's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God doesn't say that. So I'm just telling you, they it, they twisted the scripture to make it do what they wanted to do so that it would be okay for them to live the way they wanted to live. Because we as Christians, we're supposed to walk in love, not hate. You're not supposed to hate minorities or women or men or the handicapped or the seniors. No one. We're supposed to walk in love. And that seems to be the thing. Sometimes I get amazed because it looks like sometimes the world is walking in more love than the churches. Yes, we should be responsible. But there, there are times when people have to, they need to help up. And to say that we've never get, not gotten help up from God and from other people, that's a lie because we have. We've gotten help. It's no more than words of encouragement or, or giving some directions or something. Sometimes people just need direction. That's all, you know. But I'm, I'm seeing this thing in the church where everybody's trying to cut people off. And it's just like, that's not the will of God. That's not what God wants. We have to help people become more responsible. And the church hasn't done its job. Therefore, the government has stepped in and tried to fill up the gap in some areas. You know, I get amazed because sometimes we as the church, we will go overseas and do all kinds of missions and ship and do this. But we've got people in our own cities and our own little towns and our own state and counties who are hungry, who are, who are starving. We're doing without it. We're dirty. We need, we need something. And we're not giving them. I'll never forget. Um, I had a hope chest. I had started as a teenager when I was having my flaky moment. And I kept it. And we uh, moved to another town, and I had the thing with had dishes and sheets and all kinds of stuff. I was determined I was going to get married before I was, by the time I was 25. And we ran across some sisters who didn't have anything. And we kind of befriended them in the church. People kind of shied away from them. And they got to talking, and my mother invited them over for Thanksgiving. And I was sitting there, and the Holy Spirit said, open up that trunk. And like I said, the Lord, you know, I was, was this, and the Lord said, open up the trunk. So I did. I got the trunk, brought it downstairs, opened it up, and I told them, gave them sheets and dishes and stuff I had in the blankets. And uh, they were shocked. They started crying. They said, we don't have any of that. There was a seed I needed to sow because I was becoming a hoarder. And that's not what God wants. He does. It's like the parable of the man who had the barns and he got a large harvest. And he said the barns weren't big enough, so he tore them down and built bigger barns. And, and now he said, I can take my rest because I got everything I need. And, I, and the Lord said, this day, fool, this day, your soul is required. So, and who's going to take all the stuff that you stored up? And I think that's kind of what we have to look at. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to save. Because we, we are. We're supposed to be good stewards of our money and save and stuff. But we're also supposed to give and help people with need. And we have to, there takes a discernment because there's some people that are professional moochers and they will, just because you got they think they need to have it. You'll have family members like that. But 
There are times when we know, we know we need to do, and we look the other way, and that's not the will of God. That's not. So I just want to encourage you to listen to his voice, because he said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice, and the voice of the stranger they will not follow. That needs to be your confession. I hear the voice of God. I know the voice of God. And I'm listening for it. And you get in the word. The word, Hebrews chapter 4 says, is a discerner of thoughts and intents, intentions of the heart. The word of God will speak to you and let you know if something's off. If this is not right. You got to be willing to get in the word and listen. And that's what we need to do. We have to spend more time in the word. That cuts down on the foolishness and the flakiness. And then there's a process we've got to realize as Christians that we cannot jump some things. Some things we have to pro be processed through. Some things God will deliver us out of. Some things he will de deliver us through. And he will walk it out. We have to walk it out because that's part of our, our growth as what they call baby Christians when you're, you're in the, the infancy stage of Christianity. Sometimes things happen overnight and it's miracles. But then he starts weaning us to get in that word and learn to use your faith. Use your faith more. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Because he's growing us. We have to mature. We have to get off the milk and get into the strong meat, the word of God, and the move of God. And it's a constant until you leave it. You might be 80 and 90 years old. Still, you got to stay in the word and keep your faith renewed. Because if you don't, your faith will falter. And then you'll have a mess. And, and we've all gone through that. And it's a constant reminder that I have to stay in that room to pray and to seek the face of God. Because I'm not the almost of the muchness. I don't know everything. I'm going to be honest with you. This podcast is my truth. And I'm, I hope my truth helps somebody. But I'm not, I'm not a perfect person. My family members will tell you I'm not. I got holes in, in me like Swiss cheese because I'm not perfect. But I'm growing and I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage you not to give up. To remember the words that my grandfather told me. Always run to God. Never run away from me. There's nothing that you will do or can do that will cause him not to forgive you. He loves us without condition, unconditional love. And that's the main thing. And I want to encourage you that if you're in a relationship or in a church where, you know, if you don't do this, 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 and this, then you're you're not right. You're not a member. You're not loved. You're not in. Go back to the word of God because love is without condition. And yes, sometimes we screw up from the head to the toes. We screw up. But he loves us. Stay in the word. Do not get out of the word. It's a friend of mine that, um, and I know she won't mind me telling her testimony, that she drank and, and she smoked cigarettes and and her husband had gotten into church and was in ministry and she was very angry. She was angry and she said that uh, she was constantly praying, praying for her. And uh, I think she sat out in the car and the pastor came out and he told her, he said, just keep coming. Just keep coming. She said, I'm not asking you to change anything. Just keep coming. Let the word do the work. And uh, he told her, he said, uh, I see you. The Lord's showing me that one day you're going to 
on hands and knees, you're going to come down to that altar. And she said a year later, she was at the uh, New Year's Eve service. And she got to coughing and coughing and fell to her knees. And when she came to herself, she had crawled all the way to the front and asked for prayer. And her life had been the same. She had been changed. She kept coming and hearing the word. God always will work in us. That word will work in us if we allow it to. Just got to be willing to listen and let it do its work. This is Cree Mitchell telling you, I love you. God bless you. You can hit me up at Cree 